In the midst of endless arguments over student loan forgiveness, people avoiding major purchases because the interest rates are still so high, and an estimated $824.8 billion in credit card debts as of earlier this year, many of us are starting to rethink debt and the effects it has on our lives, and really in the world around us. But economics aside, what does the Bible say about debt and how we are to handle it? In this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast, we're going to have a difficult conversation on debt. And my hope and prayer is that in the end, you will realize that maybe debt isn't as black and white as we tend to think about it. That maybe debt is something we should really try to avoid. And, and my hope is that you will be empowered to overcome any debt in your life. Are you ready? Let's go. In 2010, at the age of 21, I decided to apply for my very first credit card. I was in college and I really wanted a big flat screen TV to watch football on. Now, I, I kept going to Best Buy every single week during the summer uh, just to look at TVs, hoping that maybe some of them would go on sale and I could afford it. But week after week after week, they were still too expensive. Now, you have to understand that in 2010, the average flat-screen TV cost around two to $3,000. And as a college student, that was way out of my budget. Now, I am by no means saying that uh, it would be an easy purchase for me today. But as a college student, that was a lot of money. Well, one day, I walked into Best Buy, and they had a 4th of July sale. And they had a 55-inch Samsung TV for only $1,800. It's just funny because now you can go to Walmart and buy one for $400, but it was $1,800, it was cheap. And again, it was still out of my budget, but this was the cheapest I had ever seen this TV. So knowing that uh, I didn't have the money in my bank account uh, to make this purchase, I decided to apply for a credit card. After all, I was 21. Now at the time, Best Buy had this special that if you applied for a credit card and qualified, you would get 12 months, no financing, so no interest for 12 months. And in my mind, I could apply for the credit card, uh, put the entire purchase on it, and then make about $150 payments uh, each month for 12 months and pay it off. It was a perfect plan, no problems, I could do it. But rarely do things go as planned, right? So I filled out the paperwork, and because I didn't have a credit history or a good paying job, I only got approved for $1,100. Now that meant that I had to come up with about $800 out of pocket once you included the taxes for what was left over. Uh, and, and I needed to pay all this if I wanted to walk out of Best Buy with my new TV. So in that moment, I realized I had two options. I could either be responsible and thank the Best Buy employee for his help and tell him, you know what, the $800, that's a little out of my price range. Uh, I'm just gonna have to come back another day. Or I could be so embarrassed to admit that this 21-year-old who thought he was old enough to, buy, to get a credit card couldn't afford the $800, that I would just find a way to spend it. And, and the way was getting money out of my emergency fund. Now, you know me by now. I'm sure you can guess which option I chose. It was the latter. 
the reality is that I only had about $1,500 in my, in my bank account, and most of that was meant for emergencies. And while this was not an emergency, I wasn't too embarrassed. I, I was too embarrassed to let the guy know that I really shouldn't spend $800 out of my emergency, right? After all, like I said over and over again, I'm a grown-up now. So with a big knot in my throat, worried about how I was going to handle an emergency if it came up, I looked at him and I said, ring it up. Now, let me tell you, as you can imagine, this put a big financial strain on me. Not only was I having to make monthly payments for the TV, I also had to diligently put money back into my bank account, which is what led me to make the worst decision I could have ever made. So once my first bill came in, came in I decided that putting money back into my savings account, in my, my bank account, was more important than paying off this TV on time. And so uh, I decided to simply pay the minimum on my Best Buy bill and then put a whole bunch more money back into my bank account, which was fine until I got to month 12, the last month of the special, and I had to learn the hard way how credit works. Now, if you don't know how credit works, let me give you just a very basic explanation of how it works. Basically, a financial institution, usually a bank, will give you a card with a credit limit, which you're allowed to spend however you want. The catch is that you're supposed to pay back whatever amount you spend on it each month. Now, if you don't pay it back, you still have to pay the expenses you made, plus a fee for not making the payment, plus interest, right? And depending on the amount, this can quickly make your original bill double or maybe even triple. Now, there's a catch, uh, though, to all of this. You can pay the minimum amount required, which is what I was doing, and that keeps you from getting charged the no payment fee. But you still accrue interest, which means that your bottom line still continues to increase month after month after month because you're not paying off the full amount. Now, I'm not saying this to bash any financial institutions. This is simply their job, and I get it. I do want you to hear me say this, though. Getting into, debt, into debt seems feasible when all we look at is the minimum payment we make, right? So I'm going to buy a, a $1,800 TV, but I'm only going to pay $50 a month. I can do that, right? That's all they're asking me to pay. We tell ourselves in those situations, though, that we can afford this purchase. But in reality, we end up paying way more money than was necessary because of all the interest that accrues month after month after month of only paying the minimum payment. Now, trust me, I, I, you don't want to get into this scenario, and I say this from experience, because, like I said earlier, I had been paying the minimum payment on my TV, and when I got to that 12-month promotion, I still owed about $600, which I didn't have. I, I couldn't just spend $600 out of my account, and when I didn't pay off that, that purchase on time, those $600 on time, all of the interest that would have accrued on that purchase through that whole year was suddenly added to my statement, and suddenly... I owed a lot more money than I initially planned. Now, in the end, I think I paid, ended up paying about twice as much as the full price of the TV with once the entrance got put on and, and uh, my inability to pay more than just a minimum payment for a long time. To make matters even worse, I ended up making that same mistake on two other credit cards as a, 20, a young 20-something-year-old. See, in this case, it's the lack of money that is the root of all evil. In this case because I didn't have the financial ability to afford the things I wanted, the idea of having credit gave me the illusion that I could afford these things. But in reality, I only got into more and more and more and more debt, paying uh, way more than the original price tag. 
See, money becomes the root of all evil. The love of money becomes the root of all evil when it convinces us to buy things even if we can't afford them. And when we fall for this false narrative, we end up in debt, which ultimately affects us in a deeper and more harmful way than we can even realize. So I think the question that we have to answer now is, does the Bible have anything to say about debt? It actually has quite a bit to say about debt. So, so let me give you some examples. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, it says this, A borrower is a slave to a lender. In other words, borrowing, uh, accruing debt, places us, the borrowers, under the rule of the lender, the financial institution. This means that until the debt is paid back, the financial institution has power over us, right? If we don't pay, they begin to make nonstop collection calls until eventually they come and take our house or our cars or really anything of value as long as they get their money back, right? In fact, uh, uh, there, there's if you keep reading through uh, the 22nd chapter, which we just read up from, verses 26 and 27 say this. Don't, share, uh, don't shake hands to guarantee a loan. If you can't repay, why should they be able to take your bet from you? In other words, don't incur debt that you cannot pay back because your stuff will be taken away, right? This is exactly what we're talking about. So here's another example of scripture getting us to avoid debt. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says this. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Basically, it says don't go making purchases without knowing if you can afford it or not, right? Don't get yourself into debt. Instead, be smart with the money you have. Here's another verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 5 says this. Better not make a pro- better to not make a promise than to make a promise without fulfilling it. Now, this is essentially the definition of debt, right? You borrowed money, money, you borrowed on credit, promising to pay it all back, and then when you weren't able to pay it back, uh, pay back the full amount, this becomes debt. That you become indebted to the lender at that point. I can go on and on and on with scriptures urging people to avoid debt and avoid getting others into debt. But I want to tackle one important question as we talk about debt. So why is debt so bad? I want you to listen to this story from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Here's what it says. Now, there was a woman who had been married to a member of a group of prophets. She appealed to Elisha, saying, My husband, your servant, is dead. You know how he feared the Lord. But now someone he owed money to has come to take my children away as slaves. Now, let me stop here for a second before we keep reading. Did you notice how this part of the story uh, is in line with the text that we've already talked about, the text that we've already read, right? So when we borrow and we cannot repay it, when we get into debt, we become slaves to the lender because suddenly they can hold that debt over us, right? And they can take anything uh, of ours away for the sake of them getting their money back, right? In this case, because her husband hadn't repaid the debt and she couldn't either, her sons were about to be taken away and turned into slaves, it's almost as if the Bible is onto something when it says that the borrower is a slave to the lender, right? It's almost as if the Bible is onto something when it says that when a loan is guaranteed but cannot be paid back, that stuff like your bed can be taken away. It's almost as if the Bible is onto something when it says that doing something like building a tower without having the funds necessary first can lead to difficult times, right? It's even as if the Bible is onto something when it says that you shouldn't make a promise that can't be fulfilled. All the scriptures we have talked about are coming to life in this story of the woman. So let's keep reading through it and see what happens. Elisha said to her, what can I do for you? 
Tell me what you still have left in the house. She said, your servant has nothing at all in the house except a small jar of oil. Now, can you imagine how much debt they must have had that everything has already been taken away from her? And now the lenders are trying to take her kids as well, right? I mean, this, this must have been a huge debt. So let's keep reading. Elisha said, go out and borrow containers from all your neighbors. Get as many empty, empty containers as possible. Then go in and close the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all those containers. Set each one aside when it's full. She left Elisha and closed the door behind her and her sons. They brought her containers as she kept pouring. When she had filled the, la the containers, she said to her son, bring me another container. And he said to her, there aren't any more. Then the oil stopped flowing and she reported this to Elisha. So Elisha said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what remains. Now, on one hand, this is a great story of how God came through for a woman who was in need, right? In fact, I've preached that message multiple times before, that even when she thought there was no way she could avoid losing her children, God made a way. And this is true, and I still stand by that sermon. But on the other hand, I want you to think about this. She just lost her husband. That's something very difficult to deal with. On top of that, she now has to deal with moneylenders coming into her home and taking everything she has, possibly even her children. I mean, can you imagine what a mess she must be? Not only did she lose her husband, she is now in so much debt that she is literally about to lose everything. But let's imagine a different scenario for a second. Imagine if her husband hadn't owed the money. She would have been able to actually mourn the loss of her husband instead of worrying about paying this debt back. Her children also would have been able to mourn the loss of their father without having to worry about ending up in forced slavery. Even more so, imagine if they could have done the proper mourning and burial traditions without having to put a whole bunch of extra work on finding containers, filling them, finding people to buy them, paying the lenders, and then having to start all over again with however much money was left over from the oil sales. See, for this woman, debt changed everything. And for you and I, debt changes everything too. And that is why it's the root of all evil, right? Like this woman, debt takes us away from what we should be doing because we have to find a way to pay back the debt. Debt robbed this woman of her time mourning. And while we may not be mourning, debt robs us of our time with family. It robs us of going on new adventures. Debt robs us of our sleep. It even robs us of living a healthy lifestyle. Because when debt begins to take over, when, when debt begins to hold power over us, everything else has to wait so that we can gather more money until the debt is paid off. See, the love of money is the root of all evil. Because when we don't have enough, it tricks us into getting into debt. And this debt, if we're not careful, can rob us of experiencing life abundantly. It can rob us of so much. And I don't know about you, but living in debt is a horrible place to be in because we never really know what life may throw at us. Now, as I've been preparing for this sermon, I've been wrestling with whether or not to share a particular story with you, but I think I'm going to share it anyway. Now, know that I'm not sharing this story out of a, oh, look at me kind of place. I'm showing this as a uh, avoid the mistakes I made kind of place, right? So in 2020, my wife and I found, out, uh, found ourselves in a lot of debt. Some of the debt was the credit cards that I told you about at the beginning of the sermon cast. And as we started to really look at our finances, 
we decided to work hard to get out of this debt because it was really robbing us of doing a whole lot of things that we really wanted to do. So by the end of 2021, after a ton of sacrifice, we got ourselves completely out of debt. Aside from our mortgage, that's a whole different story. But all credit card debt, all that kind of stuff was paid off. Now, uh, this is what it took, though. Remember the stimulus checks we got? Well, instead of enjoying that money like most people did, our stimulus money went straight to paying off debt. For two years in a row, our income tax return, it went straight to paying off debt. And every single month, we would put as much money as we could towards that debt, right? Which meant we didn't go out to eat as much. We had to come back on new stuff. Like we didn't buy new clothes for a while. A whole bunch of other things that we had to do for the sake of paying as much of our debt as possible. The reality is that through those two years of paying out debt, we missed out on a lot because we had to focus on paying off the debt that we had incurred. Now, let me tell you why I'm thankful we, we did this, all of this. This summer, 2022, stuff got really expensive, right? I mean, gas got expensive, groceries got expensive, electricity in Baton Rouge went through the roof. Everything got really expensive. And the reality is that uh, with, with everything as expensive as it got, we may not have been able to afford the increase in prices had we still had all of this debt, which would have only put us further and further behind. See, debt robs us of so much over and over again. Debt robbed us, right, of so much. And if we hadn't eliminated it, if we hadn't gotten rid of our debt, it would have robbed us of even more once those prices started to go up. And if that's you, I want you to hear me say this. God doesn't want you to live with a burden of debt. God wants you to experience life abundantly. So if that's you, if you're a slave to debt, let me run through some uh, three quick tools, three quick practical things that you can do or use to get out of debt. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, and if you want to go deeper into this, reach out to us so that we can have a more in-depth conversation. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms as well if you want to learn about an upcoming financial class that will help you overcome debt. We have these all the time. So for now, let me give you three practical things you can begin to use to get out of debt. First, make a budget. Now, I know that if you have never used a budget before, this can seem overwhelming, but just start simple. Simply make a list of all of your projected income and a list of all of your projected expenses. The expense side of it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just figure out about how much you plan on spending for things uh, every month, like groceries, gas, eating out, bills, and anything else you would spend money on, right? Uh, um, two expenses that really got my wife and I as we were first working on budgets was generosity, or the practice of giving to the church. That was something we ended up putting us, we were tempted to put aside, which most financial people will tell you don't do that. And the other one was putting money into savings. We, we were hesitant to do that because we wanted to pay off our debt. Believe it or not, though, if you plan for these things, when you make your budget and you stick to it, before you know it, your savings will increase and your debts will disappear and you will feel better about your finances, right? So step one, make a budget. Step two is to attack debt aggressively. So most financial planners will tell you to get, a, get to a place where, you have a, a, where you're giving and you have about $1,000 saved up for emergency. Now, once you meet these two, throw as much money as you can at your debt. This means that you will have to make sacrifices, right? Like I said earlier, how often you go out to eat, how often you travel, how often you buy new clothes, all those kind of things. You're going to have to make sacrifices. And look, I know that it's a tough choice to make. But this is what happens when we incur debt, right? It robs us of life. It robs us of doing the things we wanted to do. Here's the deal. Though. The more aggressive you are at eliminating it, the faster you can get rid of it and live debt-free, live a debt-free life, right? And that's what we want to do. Now, the best way to do this is by writing down all of your debt on one piece of paper uh, and starting with the lowest to the highest. 
literally write down every single debt except your mortgage. Again, that's for another uh, conversation for another day. Then begin a process known as the snowball effect, where you pay the minimum payment on all of your cards except for the lowest one. On that one, pay as much as you possibly can every month. Now, if you're lucky, you should pay that off pretty quickly. And when you do, you take the full amount of that card and you put it into the next debt. And then you put, when you pay that one off, you put all of that money into the next debt, right? And it's called the snowball effect because your, your money begins to snowball into a bigger and bigger quantity so that you can erase your debts uh, faster and faster and faster. The third practical thing that you can begin doing now to get out of debt is to find an accountability partner. Now, you don't need to tell them how big your debt is. Just let someone that you know and you trust, let them know your debt and let them know that you're trying to get out of debt, that you really don't wanna be going out to eat very often, that you really need to save money, that they can hold you accountable when you start talking about making purchases that don't really make sense, right? Have an accountability partner that knows that you're trying to make these sacrifices and will help you and support you and just like the, the phrase says, hold you accountable, right? See. The love of money is the root of all evil. And I've already said this before, but I want you to hear it one more time. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because when we don't have enough, it tricks us into getting into debt. And this debt, if we're not careful, can rob us of experiencing life abundantly. It can rob us of so much. And if you have ever dealt with debt, you know how true that statement is. Now, look, I don't know about you, but living in debt is a horrible place to be in. And if that's you, if you are like this woman in our story who, is ha who has lost everything and still owes this massive debt and is overwhelmed by it, I pray that you may overcome your debt so that you too can experience life the way it was meant to be, abundantly and debt-free. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermoncast. If you'd like to dive deeper, visit midcity.church slash sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermoncast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.